Hello and welcome to episode 49 of the Surrey Earth Global Fantasy Football Podcast. This week, myself, Hybe, and you'll never walk alone, are delighted to be joined by 20 legend Dan to discuss his background, finding Surrey and his approach to the platform, winning over £50,000 in NFTs in the 12 months being on the platform, including a couple of unique champion Europe under-23s and much, much more. So Dan, it's a pleasure to have you on. Welcome. Cheers. No, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, welcome, Dan. Yeah, I think Hybe summarised that perfectly. Really successful first 12 months on the platform. And uh, I think it's your first year anniversary as well, in August, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So we've been on the platform for uh, one year, one year this week. So it's been, yeah, it's been an exciting, exciting year and a, a good time to be on, to have joined so far, I think. Excellent. So do you want to share your summary to date, uh, highlights over the last 12 months and uh, what you're looking forward to? Yeah, so, I mean, going back to, to when I joined, um, it was, yeah, this time last year, and I think it was, it was a, a perfect time to join looking back now because there were, there were a few changes that came just after, just after I joined. So I don't know exactly what leagues were on board at that, that time, but I know um, I came just before the, the J-League got onboarded and there were some fundamental changes to um, the scoring matrix as well. So um, quite early on, um, I had an opportunity to just try and get a bit of an edge. So I think um, I, I managed to get a good sort of stable of good Asian players by sort of using stats and just just trying to lean on the new scoring matrix, build up my gallery that way. Um, so I was, I was focused mainly on the Asian leagues for the first couple of months um, and then I quickly sort of got drawn in by sort of the more lucrative reports that were on offer across the um, champion Europe champion Europe region so I sort of switched my focus towards that around October time is when I started to sort of sell off my Asian players so a couple of months before their league ended started to build up my European gallery um, didn't really reap any rewards for a couple of months I don't think but then as I put a little bit more investment in um, I was able to get a steady stream of rewards I was able to sort of compound that um, and that that's sort of been how my progression has gone really just sort of taking the rewards where I can using those to compound my gallery and just build up as I've gone um, so the, the whole journey has been, been a highlight in terms of the way I've sort of progressed quite gradually but then I think as I started hitting some larger rewards, that progression became a lot, a lot quicker. I was able to move into like Division Two and get some, some really good rewards. And it's certainly more than I thought I'd be able to get. Certainly when I joined, um, looking back, I know there was a lot less managers on at the time, but I would still look at galleries like like yours, um, Mark, and um, I would say, you know, I'd never be able to compete. And I don't, I'm not competing in Division One, but I think I've been able to progress within that 12 months and, and sort of steadily compound my gallery and get it to a point where now I'm, I'm getting those regular rewards and yeah, very excited for the new for the new season to start. Yeah, it's a, a amazing stuff. I'm just looking at the, the chart that you've done showing when you made that move into Champion Europe and focusing most of your attention there. And you can clearly see the stack up of rewards, the value of them really started to to roll in, I think, what, 27th from Champion Europe you've had. What yeah. about the, the other divisions? I'm also just looking at your, your collection. You've still got 
really good players. You've still got that superior Tanaka from, from way back in the squad. So you're still keeping core core players and core teams for all the other regions, but focusing mainly on Champion Europe now. Yeah, because I think I, I don't want to lose that that opportunity to win uh, further awards across the teams. Because the fact that you can enter as many teams, you can enter obviously as many regions and as many divisions as you you're able to. Um, I want to retain um, at least. Uh, some sort of uh, entry within within each of the regions. I think probably Challenger Europe is the one I've neglected a little bit, but yeah, maybe I'm a bit emotionally connected to some of the the Asian cards that I, that I picked up at the start. Certainly that Tanaka, obviously he's no use to me now because he's he disappeared to um, the German second division. But um, it is what it is. That's that's obviously part of the part of the game. He's he's played a part in a lot of the rewards. So. Yeah, there are cards like that that I'll, I'll hold on to in the hope that one day he finds his way back into a, a scoring league. I think, as you said there, in terms of had you, you know, in hindsight, concentrated a little bit more on the challenges that might have prevented, you know, the, the amazing returns that you've, re- you've received out of, uh, out of Champions Europe. And, you know, with today's other news, which we'll no doubt touch on a little bit later of, the introduction of the Austrian Bundesliga, which makes that Challengers region even more competitive. Uh, I think, as you said, your timing in terms of getting involved in August and you know doing whatever it took to get into Champions Europe, where you know the average price and quality of the card, the flight to quality, where a lot of managers who perhaps don't spend as much time as the hardcore users, they're always going to gravitate towards the higher reputation players they know in the higher uh, reputation leagues. Uh, you, you, you've done the hard work. You've got your, your you got your foot in the door now, and uh, so you, you're there, constantly challenging for you know top prizes. Yeah, I think yeah, I, I did Sammy right. I think it was it was fortunate. Certainly when I joined, um, I think the the key for me um, when I joined, I think just touching again on the Austrian league being on board. It, I think now, obviously, so rare data is available to everybody, and it's like golden resource. Like I use it all the time. Um, so whenever a new club is onboarded, um, everyone can straight away go to so rare data, and they can see what the what the scores would be, and they, you can straight away see who the top scoring players are. So as soon as those auctions are out, everybody knows who the top players are, and it's hard to then pick them up for a, a reasonable price or pick them up as a bargain. But when I when I joined and the J League was onboarded, there was a bit of a gap whereby they didn't have that data on the on the scoring and the new scoring matrix came in as well. So I that's how I got sort of a, a foundation. I picked up a lot of players on the cheap because I was able to just sort of map some of the stats to the new scoring matrix. And I thought I've got I've got a limited window where I can just get a bit of an edge and just work out who the top scoring players are. You know, not everybody's got access to it right now, so I can pull that together and that just gave me a chance to just build a bit of a gallery um, like I remember I picked up um, Morioka from uh, Charlois for like £20 I picked up a couple of those those cards that's a um, first that, season shirt number card there shirt number card yeah I didn't even know didn't even realise that at the time that's the funny but, thing um, a lot of people were buying these cards at the beginning we had no idea whether they were you know and then it was only when you look back and you go oh look oh yeah it's got matching age it's got matching <laughs> Shirt number matching season over here. Yeah, so I really, I really like that card. So I'm quite, um, even though like Challenger isn't one that I do too well, and he's a, he's, he's my staple in 
in the global uh, global it's an, it's an, sorry, it's an error card as well you got in with an Andalek shirt and a Charleroi badge is it really I didn't even, I didn't even realize that yeah I, I, think, even... I think so yeah yes yeah. he's, he's got the Andalek shirt yeah and the, the badge is uh, the, the Charleroi badge that's cool yeah that's, that's good to know I'll factor that into any uh, valuation I guess if uh, <laughs> good to sell it 10% fee right there so it sounds like the analytical side and picking the, the players and, and finding the, these talents within the matrix is something you really enjoy. Is that the, the main part of Surreal? That... Yeah, so I'm not massive into the stats. So obviously the stats drive the scores, so they're completely relevant. So um, I, I just saw it, that there was an opportunity to, and I had a, I had a subscription to like Scout. Um, and I, so I could get the data and I sort of pulled it together but it's not something that I do really on an ongoing basis it was just sort of a, a one-off I mean the, the main thing that I love about So Rare is that it gives me um, engagement when I'm watching football so um, obviously I'm a United fan so I get a lot of engagement when I'm watching United because I have a, a real vested interest in how they do um, and as much as I love football I would struggle to sit and watch um, other games around the world or even from our league unless I've got some vested interest um, and I'd always be looking for that so I think you know I, I used to I used to sports betting so I'd do all sorts of weird and wonderful bets and I'd do um, I'd try it like on the exchanges trading on the exchanges you know, a bit of spread betting but it's never it never it never ends well you're always if when you lose you Tempted to chase losses, things like that. It wasn't very fulfilling. So, um, a long story short, I mean, I, I went through F5 football index, as a lot of people would have done, as an alternative, and I got a lot of um, engagement through that. But that that went very flat for me last year, and that's when I found so rare. And I think I, I just find that I have a lot of engagement. The fact that I have these cards and I'm watching them, and I'm seeing how they do, and even if I'm not, even if they're not in a team, um, I'm not directly competing. In for a reward in, in that instance, the, the performance of that player will impact on the value of that, that card, um, at least on a temporary basis. So there's always something, there's always some interest. And that's probably the main the main thing that I love about so and that's what's kept me engaged. The fact that I, I can sort of watch like the J League. And I mean, I've never watched the Austrian League, but no doubt I'll, I'll start watching that as well um, now that that's onboarded. So um, I would never have done that before. So it's just, just it just helps with um, that engagement and um, the love really of football. Yeah, something I think a, a lot of our guests say it's the engagement, being able to to watch more football and enjoying it, and actually have more of a skin in the game. So, yeah, quite a, a common theme there. In terms of the scoring, you, you said at the, at the very part of your journey, you know your access to Y Scout and your ability to then hopefully identify players within the matrix there that would stand out above others. Um, are there things that you feel that can be improved on the scoring? Uh, do you, would you want to see any tweaks to the scoring? I mean, obviously you bought players based on the scoring matrix it is today, but do you feel as though there, there could be improvements to make the, the scoring even more consistent for, for players of all positions and you know, attack mindedness? Yeah, I think it's a tricky one because like you say, people will have bought players based on the scoring matrix right now. And I think, Whenever there's some uncertainty around the matrix, it, it can then impact again in the future. So if, if we if there's sort of if there were wholesale changes, then people would be worried about changes next year, and that, that I think that would impact on 
people's commitment and willing to sort of purchase players um, based on how, how they score. But I think there can definitely be tweaks um, maybe around, I think things like rewarding uh, like dribbles a bit more. So I know it's in there. Um, and I think you get like half a point for successful dribble and things like that. And um, those, those sort of flair players maybe don't get rewarded quite as much as you should unless they get that goal involvement. Um, I was talking to someone about we have we have the um, the things the double double and the triple triple um, whatever it is and that that rewards the defensive players so there's defensive um, sort of KPIs that make up those uh, double doubles and triple triples and whether there could be something um, in an attacking sense that gives you a double double so if you if you manage I don't know if, if a few key passes along with a couple of dribbles along with some shots on target. Maybe there could be an attacking version of, of that, just to maybe reward those flair players. Um, also, maybe something that aligns with the team's performance as well, or the result of the game. I often see, um, you know, defenders hitting like mad, mad high scores when they've just been beat four nil, and because they win, you know, they win a few duels and and whatnot. It just doesn't, it doesn't seem to translate quite as well with the real world performance, but. Yeah, I think there definitely could be tweaks, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be for sort of any any wholesale wholesale changes. Yeah, that's quite an interesting one. I think we you know we have toyed and I've had a couple of guests that we've spoken to about the win bonuses. Mainly the win bonus could be down to maybe the your whole team in general. If you've got, you know, five players on you know, five winning teams, then that can add a bonus and, and so that can maybe uh, say offset someone who's you know taken a, as you said a 4-1 pounding but's put two nice defenders in there and, and they both ended up with 70 80 scores but then they perhaps wouldn't get the win bonus for the team yeah i can see that uh yeah uh, being a valid uh, proposal yeah i think we've, we've all see lots of tweaks but nothing major at any you know one one point it has to to come gradually we we need to tweak the matrix people spent a lot of money on particular cards that suit a particular scoring matrix and you have to do that in Sort of good faith that yeah they're they're not going to get completely nerfed and we we know changes will come and you might have bought players that are really favourable right now that things slightly change for in the future that might happen but I think yeah, the flip side will will also be addressed where where there are gaps or where certain actions that we're we're seeing in games that are not getting picked up by the matrix these are the types of things that we need to keep feeding back and. I don't think there needs to be anything major. I mean, the, the to switch over that you know you got to experience in your early weeks on the platform, uh, Dan was you know that is about as comprehensive a step up in the scoring matrix as we've as we're ever likely to see. I mean, we went from literally having clean sheet, goal, assist, yellow card, red card to boom, you know, a whole spectrum of you know great uh, add-ons that uh, you know yeah. I think it was only there was going to be discrepancies and there was going to be things that people would say, oh, yeah, what about this and what about that? But I don't think there's anything radical that needs an overhaul. I've always said I think it would be nice for a goalkeeper to be able to at least have a, a score that has the ability, a realistic chance of hitting 100. I'd ideally like to see you know, in a, a perfect world an SO5 team hit 500 points with no multipliers and that would be a perfect score. But as it stands at the moment, you know, I think we've had people that have been very close to three, a hundred scores from outfield players. But, you know, at this time, you, you, you're never likely to see a hundred score from a goalkeeper. And I think, uh, 
if I had one wish, it would be to to try and make that scale for a goalkeeper be a little bit more in line with, you know, defender or an outfielder having a good game versus having a bad game. Yeah, they concede three, they're going to shoot straight down to 15 and plus or minus from there. But even if they save a penalty and keep a clean sheet, well, there's, there's 70 at best uh, before you add in a couple and any more saves. So the chance of getting to 100 are, you know, slim to none, as we've seen. Yeah, one I think they could could look at, but I suppose it's everyone's on the an an equal playing field there, so that's more of a a nice to have, isn't it? It'd be be nice to be able to get that five hundred or get a, a hundred points from your goalkeeper, but if everyone is in the, the same position, it shouldn't be too much of a, a difference. That's true, but at the moment, whilst you're able to use common cards in Division Four, you know the fifty, even with the forty, is it forty five percent top slice from 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 the score? You know, yeah, if, if the average goalkeeper score is 40 to 50, um, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't seen any average scores for different positions. Maybe I'm barking up the completely wrong tree, but I would guess that the average goalkeeper score is lower than, you know, an outfield score. Uh, yeah, it has to be. Well, certainly looking at my goalkeepers. <laughs> you got goalkeepers that play, have you, Jaime? Lots of them now. Yeah, quite, quite a few. So, Dan... Obviously, we, we touched there that you, you've won some big rewards. Two of those were unique rewards, so well, amazing achievements there. And both of them, so young champion Europe players, talk to us about that. So, um, they're quite close together. So, I think um, the first the first one I got was the uh, it was Kangin Lee, uh, Kangin Lee Unique. So, it came from uh, Division 2, um, champion Europe, so... At that point, if you if you came first in Division Two, um, you, you would you would get a unique a unique card. I don't think that's the case now, but um, yeah. So that that was yeah amazing really when I when I looked at at that. I think I remember back. I think um, the team that won me that wasn't um, really packed with stars. I, I think I got there because I think Benjamin Andre cleared one off the line for for Lille or something like that. It was a clearance off the line, so that was the positive score that bumped him up. Um, and I think that took me over the line and then got me that first place. Um, in, in the end, um, I'd not been in that division for that long, um, I wasn't expecting to get there. And, um, yeah, to, to win it was was amazing. And then, um, I think, like I said, I won Kangin Lee on the back of that, so he's a player that I know. I had him on Football Index actually, um, but he, he doesn't get a lot of. He wasn't getting a lot of game time, so I thought I'd, I'd hold him for a while. But then, just after that, he got a break into the team, and then he was. It looked like he was going to start the weekend, so I put him in to the Champion Europe uh, Division Two team again. So I had basically the similar team to the last one, but with with this unique card. And then he he got a um, he got a last minute assist um, for Valencia, and um, that that took me to top spot again, which was a few weeks later. Um, and the reward for that was um, uh, Paul Lirola. The fullback who was on loan at, at Marseille Even uh, last season, yeah. So um, I, I didn't know too much about him, but he's turned out to be a really good, a really good card, and he's 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 hit some big scores. Um, he gets quite far forward. Um, yeah, so he, really good prospect. Got, yeah, good chances of assists, and he he scored a couple of goals in one of the games as well. So um, no, I, was, I, I think I was very lucky with. With the the cards that I got there, because often when you when you when you look at the pools for the uniques, like I said, when they were given out uh, at Division Two, they they were a mixed bag. So I think I had 
um, another win in Division Two a bit later on, um, and I got uh, Maximovic, the Napoli centre back. But I've not had a chance to use him yet because he was sort of frozen out by the manager. And he's a free agent now. It looks like he's going to go to Marseille, so I'll ha- potentially I'll have um, two Marseille um, defenders there that I could use together. If um, there you go, you'll be looking for two eighty plus scores on the back of four one defeats to PSG now. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be championing that if, um, <laughs> if, that, if that's the case. Very lucky. I mean, I think it's obviously fine lines when you when you're up there at the top end of Division Two, and I think I've I've, I've had a, a few a few podiums, and they've generally been first place, so they could have easily been, you know, um, like a second. I think I've had a second place as well, um, where I got Allison Super Rare, which was like an incredible reward as well. So it've been. Very fortunate with. Can't believe with, he didn't um, go straight on the transfer list. What are you doing playing him? So, do you oh, know how many <laughs> first and seconds you've had? How many podiums you've had in total? I've got it down somewhere, but um, yeah, quite, quite, quite a few. Um, I think on the the chart that I put on that that shows sort of the um, make sure that. I, oh no, sorry, actually, no, it doesn't. But um, yeah, I've got I've got it down somewhere. I don't have the exact numbers, but I've had yeah quite a few quite a few podiums, which. Um, have been, you know, like I say, when you, when you get the rewards through and it, it's something big like that, it really does help you sort of uh, sort of reaffirm your belief that you can actually um, progress. Because even if you get a card that you don't, you're not going to use, um, you can very easily sell it and trade it and then use it to compound your gallery in a way that that benefits you. So that's sort of the strategy that I've had, just to try and get as many rewards as I can and then just roll them up. Uh, whether it's sending them off to Pavel um, or just shifting them for whatever I can. With a, so not, with I a nice shiny bow on, I hope. <laughs> so, yeah, that's sort of the strategy I've um, took it generally. Nice. And we had a, a question um, from one of the our listeners, FFDLA. This was around whether or not it's a, a good strategy to hold an ETH balance and try to build that up while the crypto market's growing in and rebuy so their cards, when it's falling, try to, to really time the price of those card buys, sell them for a higher ETH amount while, while ETH is, is rising and then buy them back. Is that something you've tried to do at all? Um, personally, no, because I'm not, I don't have a crypto background. So Sorare is my first foray into crypto. I didn't know what Ethereum was when, until I joined Sorare. I'd say it's potentially value strategy if, if if you can foresee when that rise and fall will occur and if it's going to be imminent um personally i don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next so i, I try to take that out of my thinking because it, i guess it could just complicate things a bit too much i do remember though um earlier this year when we were on a dip and it was clear that we were on a dip because i think we were up at uh, 3k and then it, it was on its way down and the sentiment was was pretty poor and it was clear that we were going to continue to go down. And I had a bit of a balance at that point. Um, so I was very keen at that point to lock it into some some cards before it fell any further. Because obviously we've got, you list your cards for 48 hours. So somebody could list the card at one ETH um, today, which might be worth 2K. And then 24 hours later, ETH has dropped. That's suddenly, it could be worth half that amount if it's, you know, a significant drop. So at that point, I'd say, yeah, it's, it's a good idea to lock your balance into some some good cards unless you, you wanted to cash it cash it out. Um, but generally speaking, 
I'm not um, I'm not a trader. And I guess if, if you knew if you were, then you know why wouldn't you just 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 buy buy the ETH and and do it that way? I don't know. Bit like yourself, I, I don't have the mystic ball, so I can't I can't predict you know intraday movements on, on these currencies that well and try to time time the market. Also, in the back of my mind, there's also that scarcity element. So we know, you know, you're, you're unique. So the super rares, there's only 10 or one of these cards, the 100 of the, the rares, and we've got 500 new managers joining every single week. So trying to, to, to do that is going to get more and more difficult. I know it certainly has been a strategy to, to buy cards, sell, sell them on. It's, more, it's possible to, to do this with form and fixtures and players coming back from injury rather than trying to do it around the movements in, in ETH price. I think that's potentially a, a more difficult and a more dangerous game to play. Whereas with the you know, return from injuries or sentiment buys, that kind of thing, form and, and that, you've got a bit more control over that. You can look out for you know, somebody does their, their ACL, you can maybe start to buy up players at a 20-30% discount from, from where they were a week ago and plan for the future or players that are potentially going to move to, to another league, that kind, kind of thing. But yeah, for, for me, it's something I try to keep separate. If I, I want to trade crypto, I do that outside of, of Syria. For me, this is about the, the enjoyment of the, the football platform and, and trying to win SO5. Not as successfully as, as you, Dan. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you because I think for me, if I've got an F balance there, there's, I'll always see a way that I can improve one of my teams. So there's a big opportunity cost there. If you've got a balance sat there that you're not going to cash out and you know you're going to use it at some point, you know, if I can improve my team, and, and I know there's there's a few games coming up that I could, you know, drastically improve um, one of my sides with um, a, a certain player, then I, I, would, I would rather go for that. Um, the only time I think it would be good maybe to build up the balance and there's nothing to do with crypto movements would be, I guess, um, I think auctions probably are the, the best chance to pick up the, the star rares, the star super rares or the, even mid-tier super rares and the uniques. From what I see, um, I don't see many uniques or star super rares being, ever being sold below the auction price. Someone might have stats, so I don't have them than like in-depth research but from the top of my head I can't think of many being sold at a loss unless there's some sort of drastic change to circumstances um, like a long-term injury or something so personally the time I would build up a balance would be so that I can go for a particular super rare it's obviously difficult because you don't know what auctions are coming up we only got like a few days notice but that would be um, I guess my my only time I would try and build up that balance to give me a chance to to go for one of those main super rares because once they get into the hands of the the, the managers that, that that normally pick them up, I think they're, they're much more difficult to to get hold of. Um, there's obviously exceptions. There'll be certain people who will go for the, the auction and won't stop till they win it. But the, the, I think that's where the chances are to, to pick them up. Um, but yeah, not 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 related to the, the crypto movements. Yeah, no, I completely agree with both of what you said. I mean, in terms of if you want to make profit out of ETH or any crypto coin, you know, there, there are more profitable ways you can use leverage, you know, tra trade that. And if, if, you're, if you're trying to find an extra ETH to buy an extra, to buy a player or put a higher bid on a player, 
then you can be as aggressive as you want outside the platform. I think it's the opportunity cost of not having ETH on your Serare wallet. As you said there, where a card comes up at short notice, 24, 48 hours, and you're like, right, that's a card I really want to be competitive on an auction. And then it doesn't really matter whether ETH's going up 5%, 10%, down 5%, 10%, because it's at that given moment you've got to compete with whoever else is is wanting to, to, to have that card as well. So, uh, and as you summarised, Hybe, it's, it's more for me, it's about the supply, you know, when it gets to those super cars. And so without repeating what you've just said, yeah, uh, I don't see the ETH fluctuations playing as important a part as saying, okay, there's a super air card that I need, you know, I don't care whether ETH's at £1,800, £2,000, £1,600, that card's out today and I've got to make my decision based on where ETH is today right now. Absolutely. So with that said, and ETH up 20% <laughs> over the last uh, week or so, uh, has that changed any of your trading uh, trading strategies? <laughs> No, well, not certainly not for me. I'm pretty set in my ways, and I know what I'm doing. I don't think price movements day to day or even the, the rise here makes any difference to my, my Serrera account overall. I mean, and I think the other point you made there, Dan, is that uh, right now there seems to be, I think I share your opinion, there seems to be a lot more value on the primary market than there is on the secondary. And that's, you know, that's understandable. As you said, people that have just bought a card aren't going to suddenly list it for any cheaper than they bought it for. Um, so yeah, it's it's we've always got those flippers that are playing the markets. So to buy directly from them, that really just means that you've missed it. You either were asleep or missed an auction that you 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 really want to get your hands on. But most of the cards are coming round on a regular basis now. Now we've got new season cards as well, and I would anticipate for the next few weeks at least. I would imagine that the, the value is still on the primary market unless it's a card that uh, is in short supply and, and you have to go to the secondary to get it. Yeah, definitely. I think just on that as well, I think that that mainly would apply to the, the super rares and the uniques. From, from what I can see with, with the rare cards, um, I'd say you, you can always pick up a, a good a, a better deal on the, the secondary market because obviously there's a there's greater competition uh, between the sellers, so they're more likely to, to undercut each other, whereas the super rares are in the hands of a very select group, and um, generally there might only be one or two that is considering selling, and so that that's why they hold that power. So I think it's it's much more their their market when it comes to those more more scarce scarce cards. So certainly for that's that's my thinking anyway. In terms of auctions now, sort of going forward, I, I tend to go for the auctions for the for the super rares and uniques. Um, don't have a balance right now but i think that's that's what unless you can can find a trade fit because quite often as well with the super rares and the uniques it's nice to discuss with the manager and it's like okay if you're going for a pretty expensive card you know it's all about sacrifice as well okay well that card would really benefit for me and if the other manager come and comes at you and asks you for a certain card you know you you might be able to still find a a win-win scenario for you that helps you improve your team um, you know, even though it might weaken another one of your teams. So not all the managers that are spending on the super rares or uniques just want ETH. Uh, many of them, you know, own those cards because they want to remain as competitive as they can across as many divisions as they can. And so just going at someone with a bit of extra ETH is not always, you know, going to strike a chord with them. You know, if you go and say, look, I've got a super, you know, choose a super rare from me and I'd like super rare from you, it might be, plus or minus a little bit of ETH, but uh, sometimes that's the way to make incremental improvements to your collection as well. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I've done that with a, with a few. So, yeah, looking back when I when I was moving into sort of 
division two Europe. I made some made some trades, um, which which definitely strengthened strengthened my gallery. I think my best my best one. I've had a few good ones and a few bad ones, but um, I think my best one was um, I had um, Victor Osserman, super rare, which is a really good card. I'd love to have him now, but um, I, I traded him off for for three. Uh, three other super rares, so it gave me uh, a, a goalkeeper which I needed, um, Paul Lopez, and I think I got Linkovic Savage and uh, Rabio. So it gave me three super rares um, for that for that one super rare, which for, for that person that the Osman would have could have been a obviously a made made all the difference for their for their team. But for me at that point, those three super rares gave me that key to to move into Division Two. So yeah, definitely there's always trades with with people that you can that benefit both both parties it's just obviously finding those and it's definitely that's one of the good things all about so rarely obviously you can interact with the managers directly and find out what what they're after and um you can find that that deal that that suits suits both of you and that'll that'll allow you to do that marseille spine hopefully with maximovic and larola are we allowed to use yeah, the word spine yeah. anymore, or do we have to use the word stack these days? So uh, I, the, I purposely chose the words word spine there just to keep you happy, Mark. Because I've seen your your tweet earlier today. So stack has creeped in, hasn't it? It's a definitely a feels like a DFS term, but I think it makes sense. But yeah, well, spine spine was, spine was only ever there to describe three or four people out of five in the team. So exactly. So is, if a stack is five, spine is four, spine is three. You know, maybe we need to find a word for two. I, I don't know. What about the dual stack? You might have like three from one team and two from another. Or dual spine. Yeah, dual spine? No, dual stack. I, I don't think spine works for the when duels added in there. No, I don't know. I don't know. We'll anyway, need to... Dan, I'm dying to know. What's your second favourite card after your Alison C for a... <laughs> yeah, I need to. Um... The thing is, I can't. I don't know. I don't know what to sell him for because he's never. He's never sold. He's never he's never moved on the. Well, there was, a, there was a, the bundle this week went for four point eight, didn't it? And I thought that was a decent price, uh, given that his rare is what one point five, uh, and there was definitely other things in that bundle that would have taken the uh, Allison's price, I think, to three point seven five. So for someone to get an Allison for two and a half times his rare price, I think that's still fantastic value. But, you know, I mean, I'm an Alisson holder. If I had a spare, I certainly wouldn't be selling mine for under five. Uh, I no. think he's a good, I think he's a good five to seven ETH card. And I think, again, the longer the game goes, the okay, yes, we get more teams and we get more goalkeepers. But right now in Champions Europe, you know, he's got to be a top three, top four goalkeeper that you yeah. want to own. Maybe Neuer's got another two seasons in him. Of course, everybody wants Donnarumma. Um, Courtois, Allison, you know, I think if you've got one of those four every week and you're putting four reasonable outfield players, you're going to be there or thereabouts on, a, on, a, on an average week. Yeah, I think he, he's one of those, isn't he, that he doesn't have that rotation risk hanging over him and um, he signed a long-term contract on he as well, so he's going to be there for a, a long time. Yeah, so yeah, start first day of the season. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I've just watched two Liverpool friendlies this afternoon. He he got uh, a bit of time. Um, the Brazilian guys, obviously those that were in the Euros, came back a bit later. Kelleher's doing all right. Yeah, he's he's going to be number one. But I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool might go with Kelleher on on the opening day against Norwich. That'd be an interesting one to see. So after Allison, who's 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 the card, Dan? Um, I'd probably say um, my uh, Memphis 
my Memphis super rare. I was having a look, and he's he's um, probably been my biggest contributor in terms of rewards. Rewards one. So he cost me one point nine ETH in the last year, um, and he's pulled in. Well, he's obviously contributed towards um, I think one point five ETH in terms of payouts from my like, podium finishes, and then he, he was in the teams that won those those two unique uniques and Allison as well. So he's played his he's played his part well. So he's yeah he's definitely my he's he's my first my first favorite guy. And ironically, after all we've just said, I've just looked at the history of that guy. That was that was bought off a flipper by the looks of it. Someone that bought it for one point six five, and then you got it off him eleven days later for just under two. So uh, yeah, just goes to show. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that on the secondary market, and it just seemed like a good deal. But I was, I'm always like, why has nobody else bought it? So it was like coming and having, and but you just need to. You you're always tempted to try and get a bit of a discount on on cars, but when you see when you see a deal like that, because uh, you know. Despite what he went for in the auction, that that one point nine is, is, you know, more than paid for itself. So you just have to make that move. So yeah, I'm glad I pulled the trigger on on that one. There's definitely been a few that I've missed like that where I've tried. How do you to think? How do you think your score at Barcelona? I don't know. How he was yeah. scoring at uh, Leon. Yeah, my instinct says he won't he won't score as well. Um, but then I've got the element that if, if Barcelona aren't onboarded in the near future, then he's even more. I guess even more scarce than than um, than he was. So, uh, yeah, I hope he I hope he gets off to a good start. Um, he's obviously going to be playing second fiddle to to Messi, so he's not going to be on the penalties and, and free kicks. But um, yeah, hopefully he can. Has, has Messi officially resigned? Yeah, is he actually is he, is he a Barcelona player at the moment? Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, he must he must be. He can't be. can't be leaving. Still all of that uh, up in the air about. Have they actually registered them um, in terms of do they fall under the salary cap? I know Messi's rumoured to be taking a humongous salary cap just to try and stay within the numbers. Yeah, I know they're trying to get everyone on a you know, like 50% pay cut, aren't they? Maybe they're, they're trying to get that sorted first. But yeah, I can't, I, yeah hopefully, yeah, with, hopefully with there's not New York offshore accounts. Depay as well is, is obviously another key international card and having just enjoy being able to use internationals during the Euros as well. You know, we're going to have the qualifiers. Don't know, don't know, we still don't know whether they're going to be available for the, the qualifiers, but, you know, the World Cup 2022 is going to come around, you know, pretty quickly. And I would imagine that the Depay is another great card for that. There's bound to be games where Holland are playing a whipping boy. Um, you know, they've just took Louis van Gaal back. He's got a what, 65, 66% winning ratio. So, you know, yeah, I can't see Depay not continuing to yield you, you know, fantastic return. Yeah, I think he'll be good. I think when he went to, to Leon, he employed some kind of analytics firm to, to come in and look at what clubs would be suitable for him to move to. I'm sure it was Depay who done this. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he, he does just click there because there's so many great players that have went there and for whatever reason, it just doesn't quite work out. So, yeah, interesting to see. Barca and Real Madrid this year. They can't be worse than they, they were. It's all eyes on PSG though, isn't it? There's theirs to lose. You've got to say that uh, PSG and Man City uh, probably pains They're going us, for it. Probably pains us both to say, but uh, you know, if it's a battle of the uh, battle of the spenders, one of them's going to lose out. Maybe both of them lose out. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, if if City get Kane along with uh, along with Grealish, then yeah, I think um, yeah, there's there's not going to be much that can compete with that, unfortunately. Well, we might be forced to upgrade Oxlade-Chamberlain if that's the case. 
<laughs> right, just Hardy, a different level. What, what are we moving on to next, Mr. Community? Yeah, so we've touched on it already, haven't we? So the new league, we've had the Austrian Bundesliga added today. Have you picked anyone up yet? Looked at anyone? Salzburg players? Linz players? Wolfsburger? Nah, not me. Nah, I'm sticking with my Club Rouge from season one, mate. Club Rouge and Genk all the way. <laughs> oh, but surely. I mean, the, the, the Challenger League is now so big. Um, I think, you know, okay. Do you think we see a split soon? Yeah, possibly. But I think for people that have already got cards from the Belgian League or the Dutch League or if they've gone for the Russian League or the Portuguese League, you know, yeah, of course, there's going to be some nice cards. But are there going to be cards there that are a massive improvement on something you've already got for winning a division where the odds are, you know, pretty low right now uh, in terms of uh, trying, trying to get a win. There's always going to be somebody out there with a spine or a stack <laughs> from a team that's done 3-0, 4-0 that you, you, you're going to be up against. So for me, you know, I've stuck with guys like like yourself, Dan. I've got uh, Morioka, I've got an old Desilly, um, Ito. Uh, I think De Ketelare could be you know, due a breakout season. Some of the Andalek guys I got two seasons ago are, are, are still, you know, developing and, and, and getting stronger performances. So, yeah, I mean, I'll have some fun and see who's at the auctions for certain cards. But I don't think there's anyone that's going to be, I've got to have that person. You know, I could do with another striker for my challenges. But, you know, I'm, I'm quite also happy to let the dust settle on the early auctions and then hopefully try and win someone. What about you, Dan? Any interest there? Um, yeah, I have no... Uh, knowledge really the Austrian league I've not done any research into it um, I thought after your FI got, days you would have been all over some of the Salzburg youngsters yeah so I was aware of uh, Dakar who's gone to Leicester um, so he would have been one maybe um, I have actually got um, one of those Aronson cards um, I won him a while back I think from the under 23 so a Brendan Aronson so I can see he's been going for quite a lot today on the back of the news so I'm glad I've, I've held on to him so he scored a pre-season yeah. friendly winner against Barcelona didn't he yeah yeah saw that so hopefully yeah if we can use him this weekend that'll be that'll be good so he, he can fit into um, uh, probably under 23 side I guess but yeah in terms of challenger um, it just seems like it'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of rejigging um, for me to really compete in in the challenger so there's nothing really that, that would stand out. My under 23s are, are pretty set, really. I don't, like I said, I don't, it needs to be someone who's drastically going to improve um, what I've already got. And there'd be a big premium on that. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'll be getting involved in any picking any of the new ones up. Oh, yeah, anyway, hopefully win, win one or two, maybe. That's fair. What about, so we've obviously got a whole new league, 12 new clubs, so 12 new goalkeepers lots of new options for other managers. So maybe you guys are, are not that interested in, in these particular players or these particular clubs for for your lineups. But how do you think it changes the dynamic of, say, the, the challenger or global divisions if we've got... Because I, th- I think we've seen lots of comments today about we've got so teams here and I've not seen the term Mickey Mouse League, but that's been the, the sentiment um, that, that people have been suggesting that we've got teams that run away and we already have that with Ajax and 
you know, you, you have it in the Portuguese league, you're going to get it in the Scottish league. You get you get it all over Europe and and the other nations. But yeah, what what, what do you think this does yeah. adding in a, a whole new ecosystem? So I think I'm pretty sure there were similar concerns when um, the Dutch league came on because of because of what Ajax can potentially do to teams and then anyone with that full Ajax that I don't I don't know how how that's um, how that's sort of been um, how that's come to, to lie and whether how many Ajax stacks are successful I imagine they do quite well but you're obviously you're paying quite a lot there the, the other thing is obviously Salzburg are far and away the best team so that that's that's where we're going to see I guess some Salzburg stacks but um, what's fine um, but <laughs> don't worry we're going to edit the... out a few stacks <laughs> going to add in a few spines so the, I think the only thing is they are basically a, they're a feeder club aren't they so you, you might be paying a premium but how long are you going to get to use those players um, someone would have paid if we go back a few months if they come at the end of last season some you know would have paid big money for Dakar because of what he's done in that league but is he, is he worth the same now at Leicester um, I'm sure he'd be, he'd be worth a bit but he, he won't he won't have the same output Um as he as he did there, so I think any any player that's that's doing well there, you've got them maybe for a limited time, and um, if you're willing to take that risk, then I think um you d- you deserve to to get the rewards that they might bring you in, but um um yeah it's it's just something you you probably have to weigh up um how many obviously you've got someone like Vanneken who who's perfect for for that for that league and that club, and I don't think he would move away from. Club Bruges, so you want someone like that who's going to be there, and it gives you that longevity. Um, you don't want the rug pulled from you where he, get, where he ends up going to a non-scoring league, or like I say, somewhere where he's going to play second fiddle to to better players and, and not have the same same output. So it's uh, an interesting dynamic. It's something like people will have to uh, consider when 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 you go for those those players. Yeah. Definitely I think it are. keeps people on their toes. I mean, it's it's great for new joiners because someone that's come in and doesn't want to certain looks at the Jupiler, they can look at the Jupiler, Eredivisie, Russian Premier League, Portuguese Liga Nos, and now the Austrian Bundesliga. They can look them all on 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 par with each other now because if you're looking to buy cards for the very first time, then the top scorer for Salzburg versus the top scorer for you know, uh, locomotive, whoever it happens to be, they're all going to be on par with each other. For those that have already got collections and are quite settled with their team building, yes, unless it's to replace someone that's moved, regions, or unless it's to replace a long-term injury, you, you, you're probably only looking at these Austrian cards now in terms of where can I make a significant upgrade to something that I already own. Uh, whereas for new players, and I think, again, this helps, you know, bring maybe the prices down a little bit across the board because people can say, right, well, now... I can go to the market and buy a brand new Austrian player rather than having to pay through the nose for your Ajax forward or for, you know, for, for someone that I know is good from another team, but, you know, I've got more cards to choose from now. So, um, but, you know, and until, I don't know how they will go about doing it, you know, do they keep Challenger at this size with all of these clubs in it or do we see a divide and how does that divide actually look? How can you turn around and say, well, Belgium's better than Holland or Holland's better than Russia or Russia's better than than Austria, um, you know, whichever way you cut and dice it, I guess that's going to be a bone of contention for some managers. Yeah, I think you can only do that at coefficient level, really, can't you? And then have a, some kind of cut off, but we'd, we'd need to have a look at what that, that actually looked like once we get all these 
other nations on. Just as a just to say just, very different, you can cut this one out if you like. But don't know if you've seen Twitter just now. Messi will not continue at Barcelona. This that's from uh, Fabrizio Romano, and it's starting to hit the wires now, pretty much across everywhere. Oh really? It's a rush for, um, I'm just he's looking at potentially going to PSG or PSG have made an offer. So he might come to Surrey soon. <laughs> well, what will he go for? No, but it's, it's a, you can't even think, begin to think of Messi in any other shirt, can you? No, that's um, yeah, that's crazy. Is, yeah, I can't imagine him at PSG. Um, I wonder if that will affect City's, City's thinking. Maybe an upgrade. Maybe, maybe Kane or Grealish. Upgrade Ox. So we an interesting one. It's just, he'll resign. He's not moving. Not to another club in Europe. It doesn't make sense. I think that's what we all like to think in our heart of hearts. But, uh, you know, if, if there's truth into what he's just said, despite having reached an agreement between Barca and Leo Messi, and with this, the clear intention of both parties to sign a new contract today, it will not be possible to formalise due to economic and structural obstacles by La, Spanish La Liga regulations. Oh, boy. All right, well, they'll find a way around that, surely. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll find a way around yeah, that. Yeah, they can't, can't leave. They will. Like so that. he's so he's he's signing, but it's you know, yeah, it's just due to their finances. They will they will figure it's a way around that. Asked Argentina shirt, then there's no questions asked, then is there? But it's also it's a it's an interesting one, right? So Barcelona should they be trying to keep him, or is this the time? You know, they're financially bust, right? Whatever they need to, whatever jiggery pokery they would need to do to actually keep keep him. It's not going to be that healthy for them. They've, they, 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 they've, they've had mistakes through their in their transfers, their recruitment for the last two, three years. So their excuses, they've not got any excuses. He should be there until he physically can't play football any longer. And he's definitely got two, three years, I think, left in him to play head and shoulders above 95% of the rest of Europe. Yeah, we'll see how this one, I'm just seeing some of the the messages on Twitter now. So there was a, a few other things we wanted to touch on, wasn't there, around the, the community. So we had touched that a little bit on, on prize pools. Mark, do you want to? I think I've sat and reflected. I Yeah, I, I have aired my concerns to the team. Um, you know, I think they have fundamentally gone against a, a core rule by now saying that under 23 players can be won in Global All-Star. It was never the case. Uh, I don't know why they've done it, but they've done it. And it's just a case of having to accept that now and adapt. You know, I, th- I do think personally it does take a little bit of shine off the under 23 divisions. I know right now in the last few weeks we've had a depleted prize pool and things are changing. And a lot of this stems from... You know, the large influx of users that came in February, March, which suddenly meant that more cards had to hit the market, which means that we're really running out of supply now until uh, the new 2021-22 cards hit. But, you know, I did feel personally that when they said you've got four super rares per season that can be won, three can be won from the region, and one will be won from either Global All-Star or Global Under-23, I took that as gospel. And I didn't think that they would change uh, a rule as fundamental as that. So the fact is, people will have been influenced to buy maybe under 23 cards over and above other cards because they felt that cards like Mbappe, Trent, things like this will be winnable in under 23 because they weren't possible to win in Global All-Star. But that's different now. So let's see, let's see how, how it plays out. 
in terms of I haven't kept I've got to say I haven't kept abreast in terms of oh the amount of cards that are now winnable in Challenger versus Americas versus this and I know that there's been a lot of conversation about that but look I don't play Challenger America so I have little interest or zero interest in that region you know Challenger Europe's only just started up again you know like uh, Dan you know I'm going to be focused on the prizes that are possible to win in in, in Euro Champs you know I set my Euro Champs team set my unique team after that if I can still put teams out under 23 and then global all-star. But now might just mean I have to prioritise things differently, depending on where I see the cards that I feel have the value that are worth going for. Yeah, that's, that, that's fair. I think there's been, there's been a lot of discussion on this to, today and over the, the last couple of days, I think, and in the Discord. And I think there has been a, a tweak Carl put something out this afternoon just showing that there, there has been a, a tweak. So there's been, there will be more rewards available back in the, the under 23 pool. Um, however, th they will still be available to win outside of, of that there. Yeah, there's, I think over the. I'm only one opinion. So, uh, um, how do you. Yeah, do I mean, that? yeah, I mean, if, if I was somebody who was purely focused on. The under twenty three region, and yeah, that it would be very hard to take that things have been the goalposts have been have been shifted, which is what what's effectively happened. So, um, I haven't felt it too much, I guess, because I am spread across those regions. I am mainly focused on the, the champion Europe, but when when I do enter my under twenty three teams, when I do look at the prize pools, it's not very attractive um, compared to what they used to be like, and it needs it does need to be. Transparency on, on on how those are, are put together, whatever the algorithm is, and I know I know the, there's percentages out there. Maybe I haven't digested it, but um, it, it needs to be clear in terms of how things are worked out. And the the, the there is an issue with the tiers, so the, the, the tiers don't seem balanced. Certainly, when you look at the star rares between the regions and whatnot, and I know they're finding the feet, and I'm sure they'll get there. Eventually, but just just little things where where players are finding their way into tears, which which shouldn't be there, and maybe players that are, are leaving um, a club, like for example, like Ail Tanaka. So he, he's still popping up in he was still popping up in the star tier not too long ago, even though he's on the way out. And I know there's an opt to feed, and it depends on what club is registered and stuff. But it, I don't think it takes much for someone to do a manual, you know, sense check on on the tears. Um, just to verify that they are valid, um, valid rewards. So I think the, the rewards are key, uh, full stop. I know there's other priorities, other things going on, technical changes, but for the for the user's experience, it's all about the rewards. They need they need to be balanced appropriately. They needs to be. You don't want new users, you know, um, you know, compounding the odds, compounding the odds, and getting a, a high place, and then and picking up something which. As a star rare, shouldn't be a star rare, and it, it, will, it won't it won't give them that positive reinforcement to to continue, and it, I think it will affect the retention. If you're going for mass adoption, then you, the, the rewards need to be sorted, and it needs to be clear how the the, the fixed and uh, how they're given out. Um, otherwise, if you, as soon as you get more people, the, the complaints are just going to go mad. So, uh, I think it should be a priority personally. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with a lot of the points there. It's a, it's a frustrating one. I think it is a, a growing pain as well. I think we're 
the, the team are, are tweaking this as we add new clubs, as the, the reward pools start to, to run out because the demand is there. And I think it will look different in a year's time, three years' time when we've got all the leagues onboarded, we've got lots more managers, though it will change again over that period. But I think that what you, you said there about it has, if, if you've built up and actually got that podium prize, it can be pretty deflating if there's something just not quite right with that payout. And I think we can probably all take it on the chin here and there, getting a, a reward that's not the greatest or, you know, not as, as good as you expected a week ever like once or twice but if you're a manager playing on a budget who's beat the odds massively that game week the the team that you've spent your your time selecting has has came first and you end up getting something that's that's quite deflating yeah that can i think think the biggest difference now is that because we've got such a wide a broader range of, of teams quality of players you know the variance in tier three or tier two isn't as great. The variance for the star players now is huge. You know, there are only a couple of cards that will consistently rare versions fetch two, three plus ETH, which is enormous amounts of money. It's enormous amounts of money. So when you then see after those first two or three cards, the step down to still very, very good star rares, but in, uh, let's say, 0.6 to 0.8, possibly 1 ETH, that is, that's a huge step. You know, okay, yeah, there might be some discrepancies in Tier 2, Tier 3, and you might go, oh, someone in Tier 3 won a card that was 0.15 and mine was 0.03. Okay, yeah, I can, I can sympathise with that as well because that's a five times differential. But I think, as you said, not everybody finishes on the podium or in the top spots the same every week. And if you are dealt a bum hand on the week that you're hitting the platform, yeah, I, I, I can completely understand why, why there is going to be some vents. But I think the difference before and now is that before they, they experimented with this, you know, massive list of DNPs, then they forgot to put players that are actually not playing in that game week, and then everyone won the same player over and over again because only six, six clubs worth of players in, in the prize list. So there was a couple of real bum weeks in July. Um, which a lot of people felt, um, including myself. Uh, and so I think it's just a case of now we know there's new iterations coming. We always kept faith with the team. There's no reason to say that the team aren't going to deliver. You know, they've got the new scarcity coming up. They've just changed migration. So there is a few things in the background that you can cut them some slack with. But now's the time to turn the corner. And now's the time to start plugging all these holes and getting it right because the community has really come forward in terms of, you know, every single player that's incorrect, you know, they've been pointed out. So that there, there should be less excuses now if they can take the constructive uh, feedback from the community and just make those little changes behind the scenes rather than the new game week appears, the tail wags the dog, community tells you what's wrong, then the community and then the, then the Sarah scramble to, you know, correct it by the next game week deadline. And then that happens again the following one a few hours later because it's thick and fast. We're playing every three or four days now and there's a lot at stake. So yeah, of course people are going to pick up on, on, on every little thing. I think so. 
think these these small niggles, they just I've I've probably not been in Discord that much over the last few months and just in the last week or so I spent a bit more time looking in at the, the comments in there and, and chatting to people and yeah, it just seemed to be quite noisy on all these these little niggles and I just think the team are a little bit stretched right now and we're going to get new hires, aren't we? That's something that they're working on and I think as they embed in into the Surreal HQ team, we'll, we'll start to see some of these things just fade away and not not come up week in, week out. But as you said, Mark, the, the users, they're passing all that feedback in. It's whether or not the, the processes at the other end and the, the team have got the, the capacity to actually process all that. Like I'm, I go into the Discord general chat and there's, so, there's lots of good ideas that just get lost in the noise in there. There's lots of really good feedback points. And if it's only a handful of people managing that and looking at that and passing them back up via the, the appropriate channels, a lot of this stuff doesn't then get picked up or fixed or seen with the, the right priority level. So I think that's something that maybe needs to be looked at. How to, to ensure that A, all feedback and all commentary is getting looked at, how to kind of break that away from the noise and keep, try to keep things funneled into, if it's genuine feedback some, or an issue that needs fixed, how, how to get that in the, the the most appropriate route. Anyway. No, I, I think as long, you know, we'll look back at this in a couple of months' time and hopefully they would have ironed out all of these niggles and we'll all be, you know, you know, lauding the next uh, uh, capital raise will be lauding yet another league, which I think uh, has, has been promised um, from the AMA. So we've had the Austrian one today. We've got another one coming. Uh, we'll be hopefully celebrating a raft of new managers from the new scarcity. And yeah, hopefully we'll be, you know, enjoying a, a successful new uh, main European season. Exactly. With the, the Scottish Premier League on there as well. I'm hoping that's uh, the next one. What do you guys think? Um, I think it's going to be a bigger one. I think it's going to be Spain or France. It's got to be, I think. France, I would say France. That's where I'd, that's where I put my money. Well, I just start seeing them filling the gaps of uh, uh, of the ones I've done the hard work on so far. So yeah, either of those, anything to fill in the gaps now. And I think we're almost over the hump. And then, you know, it's going to be difficult now. I would imagine for a club who's not on Sarre, if they're approached in the right way, to you know reject Sarre. Um, and I suppose with France, there's so many under 23 prospects that rewards and prizes are going to be absolutely fine. No issues whatsoever. Yeah, they're, they're all finding their way into global all stars. Perfect. <laughs> all be good. So, Dan, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you for yeah, your time. No, thank you. Yeah, great to have you on, Dan. I appreciate your uh, your insight. And yeah, keep up the good work, mate. You've, you, you know, for your next 12 months. You know, it's a compound return of, of what you've done in the first 12 months. You know, I see you always on the leaderboards. Yeah, I think, uh, I think you've got exciting times ahead. Yeah, amazing guys, no, thanks, uh, thanks for having me. So that brings us to the end of today's Surreal Global Fantasy Football Podcast. I hope you found it useful. And as always, if you could like, subscribe and leave a review, then we can help introduce the fantastic concept to more users. See you next time. Thank you.